Jane. What do you want to do tonight? Same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the world. The Pinky and the Brain. Yes, Pinky and the Brain. One is a genius, the other's insane. The laboratory mice, the genes have been sliced. The Pinky, the Pinky and the Brain. The plan of ours is sure to work, and then we'll take over the world. Indeed. The audience of role-playing games is sure to increase once they're expanded through our nefarious operations, Pinky. The current base of role-players is depressingly small, but tailoring the games to appeal to the masses can only result in global domination. Um, gentlemen, I regret to inform you that the story of a man named Benjamin who jumps all over the place and hits things isn't setting the marketplace on fire. In fact, the role-playing audience seems repelled by its action elements. What? Pinky, how could you have steered us in such a foolish direction? But, but, Brain, I was sure it would work. Here, let's do a game with lots of funny movie references made by Americans. That's sure to catch the people who love games from Japan. It had better. I'm afraid to report to your lordships the bad news, but many North Americans seem more concerned that they didn't get the sequel to something called Secret of Mana instead of playing your game. Its sales are not so good. Oh, gosh. Maybe rubbing everyone's face and how Secret of Mana's sequel wasn't coming was a bad idea of mine? Yes, Pinky, it was. I'm afraid your message board membership is hereby revoked, and you are removed from the Internet forevermore. Sir, are there any other instructions for now? Our hopes must now rest on making sure that Square reverts to the Japanese numbering system with its Final Fantasy series, which will allow endless repetitions of the number seven and allow us to take over the world. On your swords, ready your spells. You're about to enter the heart of a dungeon filled with computer and console RPGs from way back when, right up through yesteryear. To get you through this maze that's dripping with danger, we've gathered the best men and women from RP Gamer to watch your back. Some of you have never entered this area before. You're in for quite a fight. For others, this return visit can only be described as an RPG backtrack. Here are the party leaders for this expedition, Phil Willis and Mike Minky. And welcome to RPG Backtrack number 51, Benjamin's B-Movie. We're going to be talking uh, about two Square games focused squarely on the U.S. market. To help me do that, as always, my right-hand man, the man, the living legend, Mr. Mike Minky. NyQuil will help you get your Z's. <laughs> Well, I'm already tired enough as it is. But I got a couple more people to help me stay awake tonight. We got Mr. Michael Apps. What are we doing tonight, Phil? We're going to take over the world! Or something like that. What do we do every night? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and Mr. Nathan Slothin. It's a pleasure, though. You guys excited? You guys amped? You guys ready to talk about what are we talking about today? We are talking about a couple of Square Enix games. We are talking about Final Fantasy. I Mist- actually, they're not Square Enix. This was long oh, Square, before Square, Square Enix. Games. Square Soft. <laughs> there we go. It's Final Fantasy Mystic Quest and Secret of Evamoa. And after we get through those two exciting games, we'll be moving on to Dissidia Final Fantasy. Wow, we're just talking about all kinds of weird Square, so- uh, Square stuff today, aren't we? 
just kind of yeah, worked well, you're out the one way. who picked the blast from the recent past, so you have only yourself to make to blame for making a try a, a trinity of it. No, I can blame you because you surrounded Final Fantasy on the list with my other options: Fossil Fires, Spectro's Origin, and more Harvest Moon. No thanks. <laughs> Although I think Nathan would hardly mind if you talked about Harvest Moon. Uh, yeah, farming's always fun. No, 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 it's okay. I'd rather not. Whew! Wow. Well, we're going to do what we do every night, and we're going to listen to some old RPG music before we start talking about our games. We'll be right back. Let's give it its proper introduction. This is developed by Square, published by Square, and uh, this is a Super Nintendo and Virtual Console single-player RPG experience rated E for extremely boring. I mean for everybody. And um, I'm sorry that slipped out bad. I'll have to edit that. Um, and uh, this is was released. In, this, Phil, you're not supposed to tip your hand so early. Dang it. This was uh, released in North America October 5th, 1992. And for once, Japan got this game later, September 10th, 1993. Um, yeah. I won't say anything more. No, bad me. Bad. So... <laughs> Mr. Mr. Minky, introduce us to Final <clears throat> Fantasy Mystic Quest. As I understand it, Final Fantasy Mystic Quest was created by the genius minds at Squaresoft in a search for greater RPG sales outside of Japan. Therefore, this game was made with the American audience primarily in mind. And for that reason, certain things that you would expect from other Final Fantasies of the era... Such as, um, I don't know, challenge for one thing, and well, let's just stick with challenge for a little while because this game was made considerably easier just to make sure that all those dumb Americans out there who can't handle anything with turns in it, they could survive just a little while. And also, you know, enormous party sizes, you know, more than two, that, that was also considered to be too challenging for all the poor Americans out there who just can't handle looking at more than two things at once. So only two at maximum were provided for your party in this game. But you, you may be sensing a slight downward trend of my thoughts here with regard to this game. And really that would be borne out. If you look at the review I wrote quite a while ago, back before I was even a staff member of the site yet, my take is far from the only one. Nathan, Michael, say your say. I like the game. Okay. 
Well, back in the day, this was known as the game my parents somehow rented me instead of Final Fantasy II. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> e- evil cackle was unintentional. Well, playing this before Final Fantasy II, as you apparently did... No, 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 no. Oh. <laughs> no, they, like, rented me Final Fantasy II one time, had fun with that, and then more than once after that, when I wanted to rent Final Fantasy II again, I got this instead. So the lesson is that your parents were unable to read the rental boxes. Uh, they probably just saw Final Fantasy and grabbed it. Or they were out of Final Fantasy 2 and thought this would suffice. <laughs> Which seems more likely. Can't well, it sounds like you played it enough over the years of your parents mistakenly bringing it to you on the weekend that memories were formed. Please, yeah. eat some. Well, it, obviously going from a full-featured RPG like Final Fantasy 2 to one where... Things like exploration and difficulty and interesting characters and all that kind of stuff are removed. Uh, I didn't quite enjoy it that much as a kid, but eventually, you know, it's got some decent music. It was kind of a fun, short little game, I guess. Um. Yeah, I don't have that many good memories. <laughs> I don't have that good Well, I, I mean, okay. Well, I, I mean, obviously, they made this for North America. For some reason, they thought that, for the most part, uh, North Americans weren't ready for, you know, a deep, tactical, <laughs> intelligent experience, whatever. Even though we pretty much consumed some of the earlier Final Fantasies with no problem. Um, uh, well, maybe- it sounds like Nathan feels fairly positive towards the game, so... Please, share with us. Okay, this, it may be nostalgia. I'll open with a caveat. I've not played the game since I was in elementary school. So, um, still have fond memories of the game. Simply because, I mean, for one thing, it's the first Final Fantasy game we ever completed. It can be completed in one rental if you play it to end it enough. And, I don't know. If, and it was actually the first Final Fantasy game I completed from beginning to end se- until Final Fantasy VII, actually. Um... It's just, I don't know, have fond memories. Mostly because I could go find it as a kid. But way back when, you know, I found Final Fantasy 2, the easy mode version for the US, too harsh. Couldn't beat some bosses in it. Uh, yet this game I could fly through without much problem with, or, you know, anything like that. Wait, you it's found the just... Final Fantasy 2, too harsh, which was the easy version of Final <laughs> Fantasy 2? Yes, with a disclaimer, I was a kid. Yeah, actually, I I'll admit I had trouble with it as a kid, too. Hey, hey, you know, I have problem with Final Fantasy IV DS being too hard, and I'm like, I don't know, 82 years old. It's just... Um, Final Fantasy IV DS is crazy hard as far as Okay, Okay, I, I, no, I've had, I've had people, I've had people take me to task on that and say, oh, Phil, you're just, you're just, you're just, you just don't know how to play role-playing games. You just, you did The experience of Mr. Tidwell with Final Fantasy IV is not necessarily the experience of everyone. Yeah. Or Mr. Willis, for that matter. <laughs> um, but you know, I, I think I, I think that there, uh, you know, and I I haven't played it. My experience was at the time I did have a Super Nintendo. I did play Final Fantasy uh, 
2 slash Japanese 4 and Final Fantasy 3 slash Japanese 6 and enjoyed, you know, both of those games um, for for what they were. Uh, but I was definitely into more tactical RPGs. I really enjoyed RPGs that uh, made me think uh, about my character, co- uh, my party composition and use some strategy on the battlefield and those types of things. And so the easier, more vanilla an RPG was, the more it would be a... a uh, a turn off for me, whatever have you. So I just simply looked at the box of Mystic Quest, because I was I was I was like Final Fantasy a new Final- yes. I looked at the box and like oh, read some magazine uh, previews or reviews or whatever have you, and pretty much you know figured out that this would definitely not be the game for me. With, with that being said, yeah, you could definitely see this as a great introduction uh, game for uh, younger gamers in your family. You know, I've got friends. Uh, you know, be uh, who are all the time looking to see if they can get their kids into pen and paper and Pathfinder and things like that. Um, so I think this would be a great game to throw at some of the younger people if you want to get them off of the first-person shooters and shoot them in the head. <laughs> you know, download this for the virtual console and give this to uh, you know a seven-year-old or whatever have you, and they they probably will be able to get through it and figure it out with no problem because it isn't too deep and complicated. <laughs> Yeah, really, it's kind of a great game for a person It's like their very first RPG, especially when they're young. It's just simple and fun, and, and it's got a lot of charm to it, even if it's not got a great, great deep story or anything. <laughs> well, as I remember the story, it went, here's Benjamin. He gets visited by some guy who flies around on a cloud all over the place and tells him, go save that town. Okay. Go, go beat that boss. Okay. Go get all the mystical orbs and fight the Dark King. Okay. And that's the end. It's a little bit more complicated than that, but I remember that much. Just at the same time, I remember it's been so long, I can't remember most of the details. Is, is that that different from many RPGs, though? No. I'm sorry. No, out. it's more different than <laughs> just one, honestly. Reflex. That was like a knee, knee-based reflex. No, I mean, I, I hate to... I, uh... Uh, there aren't that many RPGs that are really super deep in their storyline. Dragon Quest Four, which you know, which wasn't that much longer before this game, really wasn't all that deep in the storyline department. Heck, even Final, Final Fantasy Too Easy really wasn't that deep at the end of the day at all. So no, none of these games are are terribly you know. Fun. That's one thing I liked about Final Fantasy Six Three Slash Six. Yeah, is that it was the first game. I had played outside of maybe one or two computer RPGs that really felt like it had a deep and satisfying uh, storyline and some character development and things like that. Um, if it wasn't for that was that was the first time I played a game and I felt that I was pulled through by the story and not by the gameplay itself. So no, Final Fantasy Mystic Quest having a shallow story isn't a <laughs> isn't a big contrast <laughs> to what was already going on at the time, anyways, or what's going yeah, on today in some cases. <laughs> Now, I've managed to block this memory, but looking over my review, I, it is apparent that I mentioned the sound effect when your weapon strikes an enemy was apparently so bad that I had to mention it by name. Does anyone remember it? No. I I vaguely remember the sound, yes. Yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to challenge you to look that up online, Mike, on YouTube and see if we can put it into the uh. show. <laughs> That'd be kind of funny. Mm, fun times. Uh, but hey, the, it did have the unusual at the time non-random battle aspect. Yeah, you can depopulate the entire game of monsters if you wanted. Really nice. <laughs> uh, yes, it didn't have random battles. Instead, 
there were just enemies standing around, which I kind of preferred the random battles to that. Yeah, the non-random battle system has come a long way since just letting enemies stand in place and forcing you to fight them if you want to move through. <laughs> yeah. And you run out of them. <laughs> There's also this optional area in the overworld, I think, where you can just walk, step on a square on the map, and then just fight battles there until you de- depopulate that monster layer, if I recall correctly. I, I recall something like that. I don't, but then again, I spent less time with overall than you two did, it seems. Not that you really needed to grind in this game. No, grinding really wasn't that necessary. Which Plus, it was, at... it was kind of mandatory anyway, since you had to kill almost all the enemies in an area to get through it in the first place. Which is true, pretty much. Hmm. Now, I'm looking <laughs> at the, bo- the box here, and it says, Free Strategy Guide Offer. And I'm really? Kind of wondering... think that still off- I think that still applies? No, no, but I'm wondering who would actually need a strategy guide. <laughs> who would need a strategy guide? <laughs> I, I think if you need a strategy guide to beat Mystic Quest, then RPGs just aren't for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, better, better, better uh, stick with the uh, first-person shooters there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I think you're onto something, Mister Apps. I think you're onto something. Uh, that's too funny. Um, oh, and while we're speaking of the sort of the audiovisual stuff, I don't even know how I jumped into that, but Mr. Apps, it is my yeah. understanding that many of the same staff who worked on Saga 3, the original version, a.k.a. Final Fantasy Legend 3, worked yes. on this game. Yes, yes I believe that is correct. But not on really... Mr. Kawazu, is that correct? That is correct, which is why it is the black sheep in the saga series. Not even recognized as a saga game in some quarters. That is true. Those people are really mistaken. Saga 3 is awesome. <laughs> uh, the remake is awesome. Because it Am I the only defender of that? Am I no, the only defender of Saga 3 in this staff? <laughs> if Michael no. Cunningham was here, he would defend it along with you. Yeah. So, um, you know, obviously, clearly, what they were trying to do with the, by making it easier or simpler across the board was they were trying to reach out and appeal to the mainstream gamer at the time, and I guess to this day, in manner of speaking, RPG gamers or whatever have you are kind of a niche niche audience, relatively speaking, to the massive hordes that are into sports games and first-person shooters and 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 whatnot. This so this goal was something that was really kind of accomplished with Final Fantasy VII, where you know you had people, you know, so many people playing that game, uh, people who had never touched an RPG before were getting into Final Fantasy uh, VII. What what do you feel that Final Fantasy VII? What, what are the contrasts between that and Mystic Quest that made it real? That really propelled Final Fantasy VII to succeed, where Mystic Quest didn't. I can come up with one thing immediately, which is Sony's marketing push. Yeah. I mean, despite uh, your comment on how to try to reach out the mainstream makes you kind of think Mystic Quest is kind of the Dragon Age 2 of its time. But how far people have changed the idea of reaching out to the mainstream in the interim. Um, and as far as the difference from Fossil 7, I mean, the difference is Fossil 7 
kind of sold itself on its graphics and flashy animations and such, and its big budget, which kind of all dragged attention. Mystic Quests, well, it actually kind of looks nice, perhaps arguably nicer than Fall Fantasy IV at times, uh, but it's still, yeah, not all that flashy or great-looking of a game at times. So, graphics. Uh, graphics, definitely. Well, I don't know. I'm looking at these graphics. They look bright and pretty and cheerful. And... Uh, well, compare it to like, <laughs> other Super Nintendo games at the time. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and just, just compare it to Final Fantasy II, which <laughs> came out before this. Yeah, Scary. compared to that game, it's not terribly impressive. Yeah, it's just... <laughs> and, even if the graphics were a bit nicer, just the style isn't isn't something that really appeals to Western audiences. So, this, this is the game that was released in Japan as Final Fantasy USA. So that everyone <laughs> in Japan know, knew at the time, this is what the Americans wanted. Yeah, and I'm sure that really didn't raise their opinion of us too much. <laughs> Sometimes I think people get a little too wrapped up and feeling insulted by the game. <laughs> Anyways, it's it, I mean overall I think we can all agree. I mean it, it is a it's a, it's a good game for the beginner younger person that needs to be that that you want to introduce to RPGs, <laughs> console style although, RPGs. <laughs> although I have a better one, Super Mario RPG worked very well at getting me into RPGs. There you go. Ah, the button timing inputs. Awesome. Well, one, but... one game that w- it does the opposite of getting people into RPGs would be Dragon Warrior 1. <laughs> <laughs> At least in this one. Uh, it seemed to work ma- magnificently in Japan. No, yeah, Dragon Warrior 1 was my first RPG, but it's falsely 4 that makes me an RPG fan, not Dragon Warrior 1. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, Actually, oh. while, while I'm thinking about it, was anyone else bothered by the fact that only Benjamin gains levels in Mystic Quest, and whoever his partner is, that partner is static? Well, they level up when they rejoin later in the game. Kind of like guest characters in Fall Fantasy XII. I forgot that that was even the case. There is that, but... If for whatever reason you spend a long time grinding with Benjamin, then his partner won't change at all. In fact, you can't even change the equipment of the partner. And since you are you are controlling a grand total of two characters, to have one of them be forever inaccessible to doing anything except attacking in battle, that kind of seems restrictive. Hmm. At least it did to me when I played it. Any other final thoughts before we move on from this entry in Square's history? The soundtrack is really good. Uh, the character of the wise old man on the cloud is actually kind of fun. And, I, and as a kid, I really liked the revelation of who he actually was. Even it's kind of random, actually. Who was he? I forgot. He's the Crystal of Light. The fifth crystal. Oh. Oh. See, that could spawn its own entire game. The the anthropomorphization of a crystal to the point where it takes on human shape. (laughs) Hmm. Well. (laughs) 
boy. Oh, and the final boss. We, he was uh, the Dark King, wasn't he? Yeah. Like the Dark I, King or something really forgettable. I remember him. was a spider. That was it. Yes, he was a spider. And apparently, I didn't know this at the time, but if you cast heal on him several times, he croaks. <laughs> yeah, the whole classic bug in many RPGs that's the final, uh, the biggest enemy has got near the cap of HP, so if you heal them, it run, overruns to negative and kills them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's a Lufia 2 optional boss like that, too. I oh, and of, and of course, the, the overall challenge of the game, in case you do lose, and I think I managed to die once because I wasn't paying attention, uh, the game will simply offer you the option of restarting from that battle. With it. And that should solve any problems you have with the difficulty. Actually, my solution was to take it and throw it in the garbage. Oh, wait, didn't say that out loud. Bad me. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Okay, Phil, did you play it or not? <sighs> no. You're giving conflicting signals here. No, no, I looked at it in the store and put it back on the shelf. <laughs> so you threw the store's copy into the garbage, and what in, did the In store my mind, do? I threw it away in my mind. It was all visual. I was role-playing in my mind what I would do if I owned it. See, this is the best what way to role-play. This, the... this is how you treat your possessions, then this, no, you don't get any. This is the best way to role-play Mystic Quest. <laughs> You just sit there and envision what you would do if you were holding the cartridge. Actually, sit there and envision how upset you would be if you were like me back in the day. You're making four bucks an hour. Uh, you know, you actually paid full price for Final Fantasy, you know, four, and you were happy with that. And then you saw another Final Fantasy, this one called Mystic Quest. And without thinking, you went and you plugged down your full fifty or sixty dollars for it. That took you, you know, a week of of work to to just get that much scratch together. And you go home and you plop it in and. Oh my gosh, you saw these graphics that, that just looked horrendously... Wait, weren't big Super Blam. Nintendo RPGs more expensive than 60 bucks? Yeah, uh, they're actually more like 70 bucks. I rem- I will double-check that. I thought I remember... Um, I remember like Final Fantasy VI being 60. I thought the normal price was like 50 because I thought it was like, oh, this is 16. For some reason, I got 60 stuck in my head. This is 16 bits, 60 bucks, or whatever it was. <laughs> So many bits or whatever. It was supposed to be a really big cartridge, like a 32 megabit cartridge or something like that, which is not even half a meg or I don't remember. It was just – it was crazy the numbers they were throwing out with Final Fantasy VI. Uh, and, and certain enough, when you got it and I paid the extra money, whatever, I remember paying this extra money and stuff, and I, I uh, you know, put it in there and looked at it. Uh, oh boy! When you turn on Final Fantasy VI, you instantly know you got your money. I mean, it's like wow, they took some care and attention as pushing the hardware to the limits. Whereas Mystic Quest, I just looking at the screenshots could tell, holy cow, did they just poop this out or what? I just, <laughs> it was just very bland looking. Just not no. Let's see. Okay, cost. okay, Nate, give it, give it one more spirited defense against Phil's. Completely unbiased treatment of the game. <laughs> unbiased and unfounded since I never actually played it. <laughs> yeah, so I, I don't need to say anything. You didn't play it, so don't judge. There don't, you go. Don't. And I saved myself a lot of money. I think you're making better than that now, aren't you? Oh, yeah, but I would still think that $60 would be a bit much to... I don't feel so bad if I like spend five dollars on a game and it doesn't work out, but sixty—that's that's still pretty tough. I don't know. Ooh, 
here's an article. Well, there is the virtual console option, which is uh, considerably more cost-effective than... Actually, the cartridge isn't that much even now, but it's still more. But you can get Final Fantasy VI on virtual console. Yeah, there's that. I can't see a scenario where you would purchase Final Fantasy Mystic Quest over Final Fantasy VI. It just doesn't seem to work. Or, like, almost every other Super Nintendo game on there. Hmm. I don't know. Wasn't Seventh Saga supposed to be pretty bad? Seventh Saga on there? is terrible. <laughs> I don't think that's on Virtual Console. I don't like it anyways. I don't think it's on Virtual Console anyways. That said, I mean, you might want to give this quest more than, say, I don't know, Romance Three Kingdoms 4 or something. I'd be kind of regret buying that. What? That's a great game. Which well, one? it was on the Saturn anyway. Which which one for? Romance Ro- of the Three Kingdoms. Yeah. Oh. Uh, my my knowledge of the Koei Sims is limited. Yeah, they're just hard to get into unless you're re- really into that kind of game. Mm-mm. It, it uh, sounds like the discussion is uh, winding down somewhat. Yeah, they it's, said uh, I was just uh, you know looking up and whatever have you, and there is a. Uh, I'm sure all these websites are totally you know factual and backed up in the whole nine yards. But yeah, the uh, uh, someone here has written that uh, the final price tag for Final Fantasy three in the U.S. was eighty dollars. Um, so, so somebody else is backing you up there. And uh, regular SNES games going for about fifty, which I can definitely test to fifty. So I remember my first game, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in Time or whatever have you, was about fifty bucks. I bought it, you know, brand new with the system when I got it. And I remember six costing more than normal. And I remember the big things about this is a thirty-two whatever megabit game or you know whatnot. So wow, eighty bucks, man! I must have really saved up money for that. But I tell you what, I mean, because I was like making four four twenty-five uh, an hour back in the day. But uh, uh, you know, that was every bit worth the uh, worth the price. Absolutely brought a tear to my eye. Can't can't say what it felt that way about certain other games, but yeah. All right, so <laughs> well, let's move on. <laughs> let's let's move on to the. Are we going to do the price wrap up if you wish to acquire Mystic Quest now or at the end? Well, we can. I mean, we we know you can get it on the virtual console, so that's like what six or eight bucks. Eight bucks, I think. Super Nintendo games are eight hundred Wii points. I yeah, I, I would yeah. There, it's 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 less than ten. Um, definitely. Yeah, t- uh, ten is the ten is reserved for N sixty four games. I think. Do they do they have Ogre Battle on there yet? They need Ogre. Yeah, Battle. I got that a while. Back. I mean, uh, not Ogre Battle. Ogre Battle was sixty four. Do they do they ever do that one? Yes, that's on there. Ooh, I gotta go get that. Uh, Mystic Quest <laughs> on the cartridge can be bought for drum roll five to ten bucks on your Super Nintendo. Unless you want it brand new, unplayed in the original box, then you're going to fork out about 125. You but, know what? I but, don't think that's necessary. <laughs> yes, you won't get the free guide. I'm afraid you will not get the free guide. <laughs> oh man, I'm supposed to play without the free guide. Man, what is this? How come offers expire 19 years later? That's just wrong. Pain in the butt. <sighs> Anywho, uh, how am I going to relive the early '90s now without my free Final Fantasy Mystic Quest guide? Well, you'll have to console yourself by finding yourself a copy of our next game. We'll be right back. <laughs> Thank you. 
Secret of Evermore, a role-playing video game for your Super Nintendo Entertainment System, released by Squaresoft in North America on October the 1st, 1995. Um, this is an action, single-player RPG experience rated K through A. It's hard to make a joke out of K through A. I mean, holy cow, what's that cover? Kids through adults? What the hell? I mean, it's either a kid's game or an adult. How do you, that, that's a wide spectrum there. <laughs> Aren't you glad the rating system changed in a, a few years later, Phil? I, I, I don't know. I mean, well, I guess it is kind of violent. You got a kid; he's got a bone in his hand. He's got a dog. I mean, that, there's some there's some serious issues there. I mean, how do I know he doesn't beat the dog down with that bone in his hand every day? Because the dog is awesome. You know. So let's talk about Secret of Evermore. Who wants to start? Not everybody at Mr. once. Apps. Now, don't talk over each other. Mister Apps, you're up. I'm up. You are. Um, should I talk about my incredibly buggy cartridge, or should I save that for later? If you feel that's the proper introduction <laughs> of the game, go right ahead. Probably not. <laughs> yeah, okay. it sounds like you're on a bug run. Nathan, introduce <laughs> us. Okay, Secret of Evermore was the game that was originally announced. We were supposed to get it in like in the month between... Chrono Trigger and they're in Secret of Mana 2 and then Secret of Mana 2 never came sort of left with Secret of Evermore and Chrono Trigger one of which you know fell into legend the other one kind of gets forgotten though for the time Secret of Evermore actually was a really fun game I think it's an underappreciated gem not as many characters for example as say Secret of Mana but it's actually a really beautiful looking game great graphics almost for any kind of SNES game and I had a lot of systems in it I found fun, and I really like the dog. It's got great music, too. <laughs> and this haunting advertising commercial song that I still have trouble getting out of my head when I start thinking about it. <laughs> my experience with the game was tainted because I borrowed it from a friend in 2001, I think, and he only had the cart, so I didn't have a manual, and I didn't have regular internet at the time. And I got up to the very first boss, which proceeded to destroy me utterly, so I tried to grind for a while in order to take it on, and that didn't work. And thus, I can I gave it up at that point. I just gave the game back to him and more or less said, I don't know what the hell I'm doing here. <laughs> and I'm forced <laughs> to conclude, that based on people saying never mentioning excessive grinding being required, that having the manual might have helped me. I can't remember if the manual said anything in particular, but no, I don't remember much grinding in the game. I don't think I ever read the manual. Okay. Yeah, I rented the game. I can't recall I ever read the manual either. I do remember doing a bit of grinding before that first boss, though. That first boss was tough. So was there... There's a forging system in the game, right? I, I never investigated it. Perhaps I should have. I remember the alchemy system. I don't recall a forging oh, alchemy, system. yes. Yes. Whatever. Alchemy is awesome. Yes. 
Well, it sounds like people who experimented with it know a lot more about it than I do. So, hey, you people who know about it, talk. Well, okay. instead, right, you go so, ahead. You go ahead. Uh, okay. Right. Okay. The alchemy system is kind of secret of Evermore's idea of magic. Other games use magic by, you know, using up MP and such. In Secret of Evermore, it's more like you collect a bunch of items and use recipes to throw them together, and that becomes spells. For example, um, I can't remember all the recipes, but like you throw together a little bit of wax or something, within with like a bone, and then you get spells out of that. There's lots of these different ingredients, some of which are very common, some of which are more exclusive to the different regions, some of which you only get a small quantity of and can only, you can never replenish once you use them up. So that kind of affects how you use all the different spells that are based off of them. Um, I remember Fireball being basically the all-around great attacks in alchemy. I can't forget most of the rest. But there were quite a few of those recipes. I think Maybe Fireball and Healing were the get in there and smack the boss head-on instead of using magic from a distance. Yeah, it's usually best not to throw the main hero into too much danger. I mean, that's what the dog is for. The dog is what you send into danger, because the dog can't permanently die. The game ends if you lose the main hero, but if the dog dies, he comes back to life a bit later. So I remember late in the game when the dog is really powerful after he becomes a toaster, that you can <laughs> basically <laughs> defeat anything just by sending the dog out to kill us and leaving the hero behind where it's safe. <laughs> I remember the dog changing once you got into the prehistoric area, which is the first real area, but yeah, I never got far enough to see what else he turned into. Okay, yeah, well, there are four areas in the game. The first is the prehistoric area. The dog is the big beast wolf thing there that's hulking, furry, and mean-looking, but very strong. And the second is the antiquity area, which is a, the Egyptian desert-style area. It's some kind of thin... Hounds. I'm not sure how better to describe it. The third area, the medieval area, he's a pink poodle. Still strong, though. <laughs> and in the final area, he becomes a flying toaster, armed with laser cannons. And is powerful. Wow, that, that's hard to argue with. I'm just, just saying. Yeah, just being a flying, a flying toaster takes him away from the ordinary realms of toaster powers, but when you give him lasers, that just makes him nigh unstoppable, I'd say. Works for me. <laughs> so Now, I do remember from the beginning in particular there being a definite B-movie vibe here with our main character coming out of... Uh, I can't remember what it was called, but it had a title which you'd expect from something in the 50s on the bottom half of a drive-in bill. Yeah, the main hero of Secret of Evermore is a huge B-movie fan. He yeah. never quotes real B-movies, but he's always ranking references to random B-movies. Like, this thing I just encountered reminds me of this crazy thing from that alien crazy B-movie. And <laughs> that's just half his dialogue, really. Yeah, it's pretty funny. They did, they did a really good job with like keeping up that vibe throughout the game. And since it was made by a studio full of Americans, there was no risk of a localization error. This is true. So they did, they did a great job with the dialogue. And yeah, I, it, the, I really it, liked the dialogue for games of its time. Yeah, it's it's got a lot of good humor in it, even though, you know, there is a, 
story is somewhat serious, but you know, it's it's got a good humor to it. You know, especially when you're running around beating bosses with a pink poodle or the flying toaster. <laughs> So, what else would you like to share? Story? The music was, like, uh, music? haunting. Yeah, I don't recall the music much, but the environments were sometimes really... Uh, it's had a lot of atmosphere, often quite a dark and creepy atmosphere. The music in the places, creepy puppet bosses, and yeah. lots of moody lighting. Mm. Yeah, they just did a, a great job with, you know... The style, we'll call it. You know, the mix, the sound and the music fit really well within the environments you were in. And, um, you know, it, you know, it's just, uh, the, you know, it and the each of the different areas had their own feel to it that really worked out well, like the antiquities area, you know, kind of felt like, I don't know what I want to say, like ancient Greece or something like that. Yeah, it's ancient Greece, Roman, Egypt kind of place. So for each of the areas, they really hit hit the vibe, like, perfectly. And on top of that, it's like, they have all kinds of different things in each area. Like, the Antiquities area has the big bazaar. We have this complex trading game in puzzle you need to sort through and turn a limited amount of resources into a particular item you need and stuff like that. Yeah, that was a pain in the... It was a pain in the butt. Yeah. <laughs> That's usually where I get stuck in the game. And there's also the fact that like each area had its own currency you had to trade through. So yes. for, like the, for example, I forget what was it for the first two, but you finally get gold coins only in the third area. And after that's credits for the future area. Normally it's kind of like you have to give up half your money in order to trade them into the late currency and if you change areas. But the... Yes. But the final <laughs> credits you can get are were, they're only basic inflation hits in for the final things, so they're only one eighth the value of the gold coins. <laughs> Unfortunately, I didn't get to experience much of the final area, but I'll I'll talk about that later. Ah, you missed out on playing all the fun with the bazooka. With the best. Uh, actually, no. Should I should I talk about my incredibly buggy cartridge now? Go ahead, talk about your incredibly buggy sure. cartridge. Sure. Well, <laughs> it sounds like you've given it enough foreshadowing. Let's hear yeah. it. I don't know what was wrong with my cartridge. I have no idea. Uh, you know, sometimes the thing would freeze during the opening screen, which is generally a bad sign. And I don't know if it was my first playthrough of the game or several playthroughs later, um, but, you know, you get... You kind of get the bazooka like right away, but you just have like no ammo for it, right? Am, am I right? Yeah, you kind of get the bazooka at the very beginning of the game, but I think either it's broken or you don't get any ammo until you meet a certain cameo character in the third area who fixes it up for you and gives you lets you buy ammo at great cost, which kind of isn't as bad as it sounds because I forget whether it's one type of ammo in particular or all ammo, but the bazooka, even though it's technically supposed to have limited ammo, there's some kind of bug, which means the ammo doesn't deplete as you fire it. So it's kind of a nice weapon. That would be the bug I ran into. Only it sounds like a good bug. Only it seemed to happen earlier, so I pretty much had a bazooka with infinite ammo for the whole game. 
yeah, I didn't really notice it until I was supposed to have the tons of bazooka yeah. ammo, so it didn't really break <laughs> my game. But it was fun nonetheless when I discovered it. We had two yeah. actually kind of somewhat comparable to his awesome robot toaster dog. <laughs> but I think I ran into some other bugs with like spells doing weird things, not running out of like alchemy ingredients. Um somehow not dying when I had zero life. And of course the worst of them all was Somewhere near the beginning of the fourth area, you know, the, the whole advanced area, I could no longer proceed. Like, I looked up and walked through what I was supposed to do, and I, I, to this day, I can't really remember exactly what was wrong, but it was impossible for me to proceed. And, you know, this is when I was younger, so it took me, you know, a long time to get to that point, and that really, really sucked. Yeah, I can imagine. Yes. I, my copy didn't quite have all of those bad bugs. It had the bazooka ammo bug. The only other bug which I remember is more probably more of a design oversight. Is the kind of the funny little jive run. Well, else you're supposed to be able to hold on a button to run in the game, which you kind of need to do at several points, like running over collapsing bridges and such. This depletes a gauge, which means you normally can't actually run and, and, all, and all the time. But if you just tap the button rapidly and step hold it down, you basically could run at full speed with kind of broken animation and never yeah. actually stop, which is kind of funky, which is kind of fun in its own way. I remember that. So it, it, it sounds like some of the bugs I experienced might not have been unique to my cartridge. So I wonder if just maybe a younger development team didn't quite iron out this game as well as some of the Japanese teams did. Yeah, that sounds yeah. more likely it's real. It's just... Okay, some of the Final Fantasy games of the era also had little bugs that get kind of weird if you really notice them after a while, but... I mean, I don't think Evermore is anything quite as bad as the sketch bug, but it's still, yeah, I think got a few issues here and there. I wonder I if that's why... Sketch bug. I never used sketch enough to experience it. <laughs> But you only had to use it once to experience it. Well, I guess twice, since the first time it's guaranteed to work. But I guess I, wonder... I just used Realm for other stuff. Anyway, off track. I wonder if this is why it hasn't shown up on the Virtual Console at all. And fix the... the sketch bug for a later SNES release. It's can't Did be they? that hard. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe Square Enix just doesn't care. Hmm. Well, they should care. <laughs> well, but it, it kind of annoys me that people blame this game for not getting Secret of Mana 2. They were on the release but, schedule at the same time once, as I said. Yeah, it, it's it's a good, really good game in its own right. and It is. You know, it plays a lot like the original Secret of Mana, which the Secret of Mana sequel doesn't even really change the combat a lot. I, I would argue somewhat with that, but th- that risks diverging us along the Secret of yeah. Mana tangent, which is... Uh, I'm exaggerating that a little bit, but it was different enough from the first Secret of Mana, right? Would you agree with at least that much? Yeah. It's yeah, not agree. like it's a cheap clone of the original Secret of Mana, I think. Right. But, uh, you know, Secret of Evermore was just this little oddball game that um, I don't think a lot of people... It kind of came out of nowhere for me, at least, you know. Wasn't yeah, like, 
anything anything like that after you know all the other squaresoft games I had played up to that point yeah it really was kind of an unexpected gem for me yeah I mean uh, I think the difficulty had some issues and it certainly wasn't you know it certainly wasn't as pristine as you know some of the Final Fantasy games but it definitely very good yeah it's definitely underappreciated and people it's people say it's just the bad replacement for Secret of Mana 2 really aren't giving enough credit because it's a good game yeah. in its own right in many ways yeah that's undermining all the you know everything they did with the music and the style to it it's you know it's it's a shame that development team only got to make this and that was that yep now based on I the first area is split into two parts in which first is sort of a, di- a forest filled with dinosaurs and the second part is a big ugly swamp they both seemed pretty dark to me were the later areas more colorful yeah. um well yeah, there's some more colorful. There's always a kind of dark overcast to all the lighting and colors of the game. There's no matter how bright they get, you always get the impression it's kind of a not a happy, happy world in a sense. That's kind yeah. of a recurring thing of the whole game, which kind of gives it a kind of cool flavor. And aside from that first boss, which, as I said, tore me to shreds a few times, and I gave up. <laughs> What were the other bosses like? What what would you characterize the overall challenge as? It's um, the I call it the near polar opposite of Mystic Quest. <laughs> that tells me a lot. <laughs> but, but please use more words. Um, one of the bosses I was only able to beat because I had infinite ammo with the bazooka. Like it was that tough for for yeah, me. Yeah, I remember. I mean, as I said, like I had to abuse strategies of having my the fact that my dog is immortal and, and a bit <laughs> overpowered in order to even survive the opening areas of the final area. It's just a lot of the normal enemies can be kind of brutal in the game. Yeah, it's a tough game. And yeah. what, what was the final boss? We're all about the spoilers Just, here. Let's hear it. I wish Giant I knew. Red robot thingy. <laughs> <laughs> The giant red that, robot thingy used. Wait, no, wait. I might. Be, I can't actually remember. Think about it, it's like I think maybe I might be mistaking the final boss for some other thing that shows up in the final area. But it's been a little while. It's the evil scientist guy. Maybe he turns himself into a monster or something. Damn you ah, for not running into game breaking bugs. <laughs> See, this is where relying on my shoddy memory is a bad idea. <laughs> Well, I can't help you unless I go onto YouTube or something and just look at it. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'd need to do. Any final thoughts on this little gem? Uh, the world concept is really cool. Uh, basically, the thing is, this world is that basically you're, the entire game takes place in an artificial world, basically a virtual matrix world. Basically, there's all of four real people in it, I think. Can each one of them, the moment they fell into the world, they created their own little zone. And the, like the prehistoric zone is what happened when an archaeologist fell into the world. And I think it's similar for our antiquities. They're basically, the entire world is created from their own imagination, what they wanted the world to be. And uh, just basically, they got trapped there by the villain. And 
and who kind of created his own master zone of the big super sci-fi world, and it's the whole thing of just trying to get them out of it. It's kind of interesting little bit. Mm, sounds like it. Yeah, it's a, it's a unique game. You're not really going to find anything else like Secret of Evermore. Nope. And that's probably the best thing you could say about it. Yeah, you know, a few other games are actually going to have Final Fantasy character cameos uh, back in the SNES <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Okie dokie. We're gonna but now. Does does the development of Secret of Evermore in any way make you think that Square chose not to bring Secret of Mana two, which it would have been called out here because it was pushing this game instead, or could did Square just get lazy all of a sudden? Hey, this game was released about a month after Chrono Trigger or something, if I recall correctly. So it's not like they were unwilling to bring out good games close to each other. As I said, it's just it's supposed to be Chrono Trigger, this game, and Secret Mono 2 in the span of three months, according to the original schedule. So, I don't know. I, I sometimes think it's... don't think it's necessarily because of this game that Secret Mono 2 is removed from yeah, the Yeah, I don't... Release. I don't think really anybody working on this game would have been involved in localizing another game. I could be wrong, but I don't... Whatever the reason was, I don't think it was because they released this game. Well, I just wanted to get that on the record because, as you know, there is a conspiracy theory about it, so we have to quash that. (laughs) People love conspiracy theories. Yeah. I... And yeah, releasing two RPGs in the span of two months was kind of unusual for one company back in the 16-bit era. Considering that there's such a huge drop-off of RPGs after these few releases, it seems particularly strange. Uh, I seem to recall that the initial sales of the Saturn and PS1 were so low that publishers were hurriedly trying to get money from wherever they could, and that happened to be the 16-bit market, but I, my memories of that era are not very sharp. And I don't think Squaresoft would have been overly concerned with the CD consoles immediately anyway. RPGs tend not to be developed that quickly. Mm, okay. Well, anything else? No? Yes? Quick? No? Fine. <laughs> we're gonna take a we're gonna take a momentary pause and get ourselves ready for Dissidia Final Fantasy. We'll be right back. Selection there, and we're going to jump into. Final I did. Yeah, you did. Did you hear that? 
No, I thought it killed me. It was so overwhelmingly powerful. <laughs> um, uh, anywho, we're talking about uh, Dissidia uh, Final Fantasy. This is a Square Enix uh, publication, of course, uh, and developed by the same. And this is a PlayStation Portable exclusive uh, released in North America on August 25th, 2009. This is, by the way, this is our blast for the recent past section. I keep forgetting uh, to announce that. <laughs> Welcome to Blast from the Recent Past. Today we're talking about the city of Final Fantasy. This is an action... Trobe's Origins, Fossil Fighters, or whatever else came out in August 2009. What was it? I can't remember. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I, I I don't remember either. I'm uh, just going to talk about Dissidia. Yeah. <laughs> um, and... Uh, is as always a model for all, Phil. I try. Um, this is an action slash fighting slash RPG single and two player game for your PSP. Rated T for teen. Rated T for terrific. Rated T for tiger. I, I don't know. Um, anywho, um, so. Wow. Uh, Dissidio is basically a, a, a very interesting idea to bring all the Final Fantasy characters together and have them in a fighting game. But instead of just putting them together in the same old 2D Street Fighter style game, which probably would have been cool enough on, on its own, uh, Square, uh, Square did this very differently, putting them on a 3D battlefield um, with different mechanics than what you might find in a, in a well than what you will find in, in any typical uh, fighting game and putting some RPG mechanics uh, under the hood as far as uh, the fact that you are kind of working through a story mode and you can uh, power up uh, through experience or whatever have you your characters in different ways if I remember correctly it's been a few years um, so uh, this is this is this game features like a character from almost every Final Fantasy Final Fantasy game there is. I mean, Squall's in there. Uh, who else? Gosh, dang it! Uh, there was um, shoot. Did any y'all play this? Am I the only one? I've started playing Duodism recently, but that's about it. I've played a ton of it. Okay, Mr. Tonovit, who else did we have? We had we had we had we had Squall, we had the little guy from um, Final Fantasy Nine, what's his name? Oh my god. I see I'm terrible with names. The name. It's not just you guys. I can't remember their names either, or the game <laughs> names either. So don't feel bad when I you know, misspell your names. I can't remember their names. Um yeah, we basically got the main heroes of well, the the officially known main heroes for all the first what, ten games in the original release, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Including the the kind of warrior of lights, even though it's kind of a really loose interpretation of, I guess, the fighter character from the original War- Final Fantasy One. Yeah, right. The the fighter of right. The the character of light, warrior of light, something along and those lines. And then there's Onion Knight. Onion Knight. Kind of similar for <laughs> Final Fantasy Three. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, do, do you remember who was Final Fantasy Four? Um, it's. Cecil, of course. Cecil, yeah. Mm, yep, yep. So, yeah, definitely a lot of really, really cool, uh, great characters. You also got a number of the bad guys, right? Yeah, kind of a random selection of bad guys. Sometimes it's the final boss, sometimes it's not. You can't quite decide who, who want, it wants to have as the villain representatives. Yeah. Now, there is 
a story that somehow explains what all of these characters are doing here and why they're – you know what? To be honest, I, I gave up on the story, and I just kept pressing next battle, next battle. I just would try to get through it because it just – it wasn't doing anything for me. It was nice hearing some of them talk back and forth once in a while, but did, did you pay much attention to the story? No, it was terrible. It was pretty, yeah. It was. I it, tried, yeah. and then I skipped all of the story scenes. Yeah, because it definitely is outshined by the the battle system, and which tends to be my experience with a, a you know with the, probably a majority of RPGs. I'd rather, you know, and that's fine, especially when it's this good. Um, uh, it's really the stories there just kind of give you an excuse to get into fights, um, and to get into fighting, and, and fighting is where really the action, the, the awesomeness of this thing is at. I mean, it's it's really cool. It's it's not too hard to get into at all. I'm not a huge fighting expert myself. I don't mind jumping into some uh, Street Fighter in there or just getting crazy with some uh, Marvel versus Capcom, but um, uh, but that's about it. Uh, but this game, you—it really wasn't hard for me to get into it at all, despite the fact that it was 3D too, and that's a bit of a curveball. And because uh, you're running around a, a you know field, if you're used to fighting games where everything's 2D, I mean, even the newer games these days, a lot of them are, are 2D. Uh, this 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 one's definitely different because you are going to be running and jumping, and uh, sometimes I felt kind of like a ninja depending on who I was playing. Um, yeah, it's like one thing I do like with the city is the fact that it gets very easy controls for things like running up walls, sliding, gliding along light trails and stuff like that so you can pretty once you get the hang of it you can really move very easily in the 3d yeah and yeah exactly it, it never i really never felt like the controls got in the way which is saying something because the psp doesn't have the exact you know best control setup in the world and and it is you know 3d and fighting at the same time and that could get very complicated and out of hand very quickly but i really never felt like the the control was was getting in my way uh, well, the camera, on the other hand, does kind of get in the way, particularly when it seems to want to go into terrible, kind of useless places when you're just getting stuck in a, the corner of the ceiling of pandemonium. This I is hate true. that so much. <laughs> it, 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 does get, it does get a bit wonky. Yeah, the camera it can get a bit wonky, definitely. Um, I don't even remember, was there a way to control the camera? Or was it pretty much... I mean, it mostly did what it wanted to do. There's but, a lock-on change button. Yeah. You can change between locking on to your opponent or not. So, um, uh, these these areas that you fight in are pretty darn big. Uh, the, there's lots of effects as you're fighting and you're going back and forth. It's it's very beautiful to watch. Um, just a lot of zipping around and special effects and whatnot. Um, you can even destroy some of the environments, which I thought was kind of cool. <laughs> Who would have thought? It just they all of this in a Square Enix fighting you know fighting game and whatnot. And it's definitely something that looks very pleasing when I was playing it. I just really you know my eye I, I just I just enjoyed really keeping my eyes on and just playing it and something I could show off to my friends. See, here's how good my PSP can look. Yeah, um, well, it can, it does look good. I still have the personal complaints. It, in many ways, it kind of looks and the, it's kind of got the floatiness of more of a Kingdom Hearts game and mm-hmm. it's really, really strong reminiscence of the Kingdom Hearts style and sometimes more so than Final Fantasy. Mm-hmm. Well, you mean, you mean how they felt kind of floaty as they were jumping and stuff? Yeah, floaty, kind of the way they kind of bound around quickly. I mean, fighting with the Onion Knight reminds me of fighting with the blue Fusion Sora from Kingdom Hearts 2, and they just always bouncing around and such, just the way they move and the animations and everything is very much more Kingdom Hearts than it is Final Fantasy in many ways. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, Was well... Was it developed by the same team that did Kingdom Hearts? Hmm. Yeah, just saying. It's like, uh, I know why it's that way. It's just, I kind of, 
Jonah creates the best way to do it. That's all. Uh, you know, while we're talking about this, uh, what is it that makes Dissidia an RPG? Tell me. It's not an RPG. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Now, hold on a second now. Hold on, hold on. It's 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 an action RPG where all the battles are one on one. All right, so you, the, because 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 you have because you can um uh because you do gain experience, you do level up, you do got to pick your techniques and your skills and your equipment and your armor. You're doing all the bull that you would normally do in let's say a Diablo or something like that uh or any of these action RPGs like Torchlight where really the storyline's really not the focus. The focus is just going in, kicking the crud out stuff and and being able to really uh, customize your character as they level up. This is the only difference between this and maybe you know something like a torchlight is a little bit less inventory management, and the battles are one on one. But you're going through a bucket load of battles, and you're doing pretty much the same processes over and over that you would do in a in in your typical dungeon grinder. Well, all of that and the fact that I don't know if it's the original release. Do it that some has a RPG mode. I've never tried it, but it supposedly exists. Yeah, yeah. I was, huh? I was too busy working my way through the story. Maybe that was the RPG mode. I'm not sure. No, I mean it's like there's an RPG mode for controlling the characters. Like you apparently give them RPG commands or something. Oh really? Oh, that'd be cool. Hey, if anyone's done that, write on our boards and tell us more. Because I did not unlock that. That would be kind of interesting if you could give it like RPG commands and stuff. Oh, that'd be hilarious. Instead of jumping all around and whatnot, they just have this secret hidden mode where you played it like a normal RPG with menu options. Is that is that what it's it's like? As I said, I haven't tried it myself, so I don't know. I think it does all the moving and stuff for you. You just select from select your attacks from a menu, uh, awesome. like you would in a final normal Final Fantasy game. Ah, uh, uh, so like Final Fantasy thirteen. <laughs> cool. That has similar acrobatics. Now, one of the things that I, you know, I don't want to fa- fail. Well, uh, to kind of, well, two things about the battle system. To go back to, I think what Nathan was saying earlier is that yes, this is, does feel kind of floaty. You will be doing these really huge jumps in the air, and you don't come down very quickly, and you're fighting against somebody else who's doing the same thing, and it feels more like uh, one of those kung fu movies where everyone's doing half their fighting, you know, up in the air as they're slowly coming back down to earth, um, as you know. As opposed to you know maybe something like Street Fighter where yeah you're gonna do stuff up in the air but you pretty you come down pretty fast not in this game it does feel more like Kingdom Hearts your hidden dragon Phil yeah yeah let me tell you what I can't even do one of those junk kicks in Kung Fu yet without falling on my rear end so uh, I don't know how they do it in this game the second thing is the the way the um, the bat the attacks and stuff work so you got you got actually two two stats you're keeping track of your your brave points and your uh, your hit points so uh, when your brave points are are high enough uh, or uh, you can attack the uh, the guy's hit points um, when he's out of hit points he'll die but doing a brave attack has this tendency to deplete your brave points to begin with so you got to do brave attacks to earn your brave points and that kind of sounds complicated but once you play this a bit it actually it's not too difficult. It's uh, really a pretty good way of implementing have lots of numbers in a one on one combat that's system. Right. <laughs> normally exactly. RPGs don't work well with one on one combat systems. Exactly, yeah, that's right. It makes it feel more RPG without that. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, that's actually, you know, I never thought of it that way. That's that's a very good observation um, and whatnot. The, the mechanics of playing the game, I mean, as far as, you know, most fighting games, you have combos. In, in this game, there are some, you know, some interesting things you can do. I never felt like they were critical to winning battles and stuff. I honestly felt like um, that some, if I did fight a complicated battle, I was more apt to go and uh you know, do some grinding rather than, you know, trying to figure out exactly how to pull off a super, you know, combo this or that. And that, again, makes it feel uh, more uh, RPG. Um, it's the fact that even if you're not really good at fighting games and you somehow aren't good at mashing buttons and getting through this game, um, you can always go back and grind, you know, extra, and, and you'll be able to make it through the uh, more difficult fights that much easier. And so you can't do that in a Street Fighter game or anything like that. So, ah, so that's why we there, cover it. There. You can grind. You can grind. <laughs> you can grind. But it also has an arcade mode that plays out just like a normal fighting game. Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, yeah, and it, it, it um, let's see. Um, the only as far as you know, bad things. Yeah, if you're going in expecting a typical, uh, SquareSoft um, experience, it, it isn't that. The, the story's not going to take you home. Uh, the characters are banking really off the nostalgia more than anything else. Uh, You're kind of missing the mark at that. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 definitely a SquareSoft game that gets its marks for uh, actually the gameplay part of it being super exciting and awesome and stuff like that, as opposed to you know having really deep story, you know, character development, and all that, you know, and whatnot. Um, and load times, boys and girls, take my advice, install it. It has an install option. Yeah. Use it, love it, because you really don't want to be loading all these battles off the disc. They take forever in a month of Sundays, and it does work quite a bit better, I found out, the hard way, if you install it uh, onto your memory stick and whatnot. So this was actually one of the reasons why I bought a 16-gig memory stick. <laughs> Because uh, after I started playing, I think this this might have been the thing that got me to get off my lazy butt and buy a memory stick finally. As I was having, it was either this one or one of the Persona games or something. One of those games, role playing games, made me go out and buy a stick. Um, I don't. You could also get it off PSN and not even have to worry about putting in a UMD. Oh, this is true. No, this is absolutely true. And this is one of those games that I really wouldn't mind. Uh, doing it directly onto the stick uh, from the PSN because it's a game that I like to play in short spurts, you know, here and there, and just you know, as opposed to I usually like once I play an RPG, I play it, you know, it sits in my system and I just play it straight through. But um, I like to have the games on the sticks that I like to go back and just play a little here, a little there. Um, so that, that what did y'all think about the uh, the uh, the audio music or anything? I like the remix tracks. I think they did a good they job got, with that. They've got tons of great classic music that I just I like the fact that suddenly hearing all these familiar battle themes at random points. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah they did a great job with that. And and I guess um, well, and I definitely feel the same same way too. I love Final Fantasy music, so hearing it kind of remixed and jazzed up a little bit and stuff was really really awesome for me. Do you think it stands well for on its own two legs for people who maybe don't have so much of the nostalgia bug? Who, who maybe aren't so as familiar with uh, with with some of the original music as we are? What what do you guys think of that? Well, good music is always good music. Exactly. <laughs> 
And and you know, I think that uh, you know, bottom line is even if you don't, uh, even if you're not a big uh, Final Fantasy buff and maybe maybe not, don't know all these characters because you didn't you know play some of these older games, I really do think if you like RPGs. Um, especially if you're one of those players who kind of like more Diablo um, and Torchlight, you, you kind of like RPGs more for building up characters and seeing them grow and and being able to make your choices, you level up and, and how they're going to do well and stuff. And, and you like your RPGs with a little bit more action than picking stuff from a menu. Um, I think you're really going to like this game. And uh, regardless of your you know your your background with Final Fantasy, if you do have the uh, Final Fantasy background and you've played a lot of these old games, then that will simply be frosting on the cake. <laughs> it, 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 you will get a little bit of a a, a, a kick out of seeing. Uh, some of your old characters fighting against uh, one another and hearing uh, some of the jazzed up background uh, music from some of your older games. Uh, it's just that's just extra frosting for me. I, I definitely recommend it as a buy. Uh, what do you guys think? Um, probably better get the sequel since it's got more characters and the whole plot of the original. Well, this is but... yeah, yeah, that's true too. Yeah, the, the doesn't it have like the original one? Do you have to unlock it, or is it available right from the beginning in Dissidia Twelve or One Two or whatever? It's I called? think you need to unlock the original game. I think it's basically most of the story of the sequel is actually a prequel or something. Now, so, I, I don't want to get. I still keep working on it. I don't want to. I don't want to totally dive into uh, a, a Dissidia. Oh, one, two, or twelve, or whatever it's called, uh, you know, sidetrack here or whatnot. But uh, I guess two. I call it the city of two. two. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it is the city of Duo Destiny zero one two Final Fantasy. Oh, I had to write that enough for my articles. I just can't. Hold on, hold on one second, Nathan. You're breaking up. Gonna reboot Nathan here. Sorry about that. Sorry, Nathan. You're breaking up towards the end, about halfway through the title. You were saying. Uh, Dissidia 2 Odessa 012 Final Fantasy. Uh, I just, I've had to write that out enough for all of the articles. I can't let anything <laughs> else get away with skimping on it. All right, all right. So my question is, uh, without divulging totally into a Dissidia 2 Haidukim, whatever you just said, um, if is Dissidia 2, um, basically if you play Dissidia 2 and you have that experience, are would you want to go back and play one? Are they different enough to where you want to do one and the other or uh, well i haven't actually played the original so i'm not the best person to ask for the comparison but i can't imagine gaining the original since as i said i've got the sequel that has just more characters and stuff in it so yes the, the answer is there's no reason to go back to the original oh okay so this whole thing has uh, just been a waste of my time your time go back play <laughs> oh, two no i'm just <laughs> the sequel is close enough to the original that we could easily be talking about the sequel okay. without people even knowing about it. All right, cool. Fair enough. So, um, totally awesome. So go out and play the sequel, <laughs> which you can get for uh, – you can get the, the City of Two for 20 bucks, no problem. And I, I don't know, probably – is that one on the PlayStation Network too? I imagine. The City of so. Two? Yeah, I have no idea. Somebody will have to look that up sometime. I, I think uh, the Kingdom Hearts for PSP is the only recent – Square Enix game that hasn't made it on PSN. Yeah, I think. Yeah, and unless you're just and 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 only get to City of One if you're really broke because it's like half the price at ten bucks. Um, probably because it's already included in the segment, like you said earlier. Uh, either way, if you got it sitting on your shelf and you just haven't gotten around to it, you need to get around to it because it's it's a totally yep. awesome kick your butt fighting game. You could beat up Cloud. You can. What what more do we need to say? What more? Yep, I mean, exactly. there you go. 
Not only do you get to beat up Cloud, you get to beat up him with his kind of more annoying Advent Children personality, which is twice as much fun. <laughs> so, we're going to let our audience just sit back, close their eyes, and just think about the ecstasy that is kicking Cloud's ass. And while they're doing that, we're going to help them along with some mood music, and then we'll be right back to wrap this up with the final lap. Did you say moon music? Mood. Mood. With a T at the end. Listen, man. Holy cow. I heard moon music. Go back to sleep, Binky. Oh, my gosh. We'll be right back. Looking things up, Phil, I realize that we never did a report on what Secret of Evermore costs should you wish to acquire it. Hmm, let's see. Secret of Evermore, huh? And I don't think there is a digital version of it. No, there is I don't believe there is. So uh, so because there's no digital version of it, you can expect to pay a lot more. Um, <laughs> it's, actually, it's actually not too bad. I picked up a cartridge not too long ago. I think I got it for less than twenty. Yeah, you can get it you can get it um you can get it for around twenty if you don't mind. Uh not maybe maybe not getting the instructions or anything like that, which I don't think is a big deal these days. It's easy enough to figure out how these things work or look them up on the net. If if you if you are looking for, you know, something that's in pristine condition and or has the box and the instructions and all that, you probably pay a little bit closer to forty. And if you want it, you know, shrink wrapped, sealed, et cetera, et cetera, you're looking at ninety. Yeah. Do we have anyone who is actually concerned with establishing a library of sealed Super Nintendo games against the apocalypse when they will be <laughs> sure? Money? You know, what's scary is that that's exactly what I think, Mike. And it's like, but somebody somewhere must be buying these things at the higher shrink wrap prices because people continuously sell them at the higher prices, you know, in the shrink. And, you know, it's really not hard. By, by the way, boys and girls, it's really not hard if you uh, if you can find, you know, let's say a game in a really, really good condition with the box and stuff and then just take some saran wrap with a blow dryer and make it look like it's shrink wrap again. You know, it takes a little finagling, but you can do it, and then sell it for an extra forty bucks, and just turn around and profit shrink wrapping old games. It's awesome. Unless someone calls you on it, some of these people are very, very good observers. Well, what they do in the description, the people who do that, they won't say factory sealed; they'll just say sealed. So <laughs> I just, you know, they're being honest. They didn't, you know, I mean, they could have said resealed, but you know, they just dropped the re, and I don't know. We digress, don't we? Um, it's so easy to do sometimes. Uh, Mr. Minky, did we have some uh, – I think we had a few comments regarding our last episode, which didn't go up all that long ago. Uh, Dragon Slayer, we talked about the Dragon Quest games, right? Yeah, it went up less than 48 hours ago, so the number of comments is understandably not that high yet. But there are a few. Yeah, apparently some people are uh, – at least one person who's not too happy with you, Mr. Minky. <clears throat> 
thinking that, you know, because of your yes, description that you were talking about a totally different was, game. Um, so the original comment is no longer present. What's that? Well, this person apparently objected to us not talking about the game Dragon Slayer. Right. Which was Falcom's very first RPG and never came out in English in any form. But okay, you want me to talk about Dragon Slayer? I can talk about it based upon the Saturn version, which was already uh, almost 15 years old by the time it came out on the Saturn. So that tells you how old Dragon Slayer is. <laughs> Here's what you do in Dragon Slayer. You play a guy in a dungeon who has to kill a dragon. And you have to infer that because there is no plot whatsoever. But how do you do that? Well, you go off and you grab a little strength icon and you stuff it in your house, which is in the dungeon. And every time you do that, you get plus five strength. And you know how, and you know how many times you're going to have to do that to kill the dragon? Oh, about a hundred, maybe more. And as you get stronger, more enemies will come up. And given that this is an early, early Falcom game, we should be not surprised to learn that it uses a combat system kind of like the Ease games if it just sucked, where you stand back and forth and invisibly attack something and hope you don't get surrounded. And maybe you'll win. Maybe you won't. And so you do that over and over. You grab strength icons and put them in your house one at a time, mind you, because you can only carry one thing at a time, and you go kill the dragon. And when you do that, hey, you get to go to another level which looks different, but you're doing exactly the same thing. Oh, and by the way, the Saturn game is very nice because it allows you to save between levels, which was not an option on the original version. There was no save feature at all. And, oh, there are certain enemies which can actually steal your strength. They're, they're green monkeys, and I hate them with a passion. I didn't play the game that long, but I remember how much it sucks when you've just spent 45 minutes building up your strength only for the green monkeys to start appearing so they can steal it. <laughs> so there's your Dragon Slayer analysis. Completely unbiased, of course, because Absolutely. I never have any negative or positive thoughts about the games I just report. I report, you decide. Mr. Minky, you you clearly have put some time and thought into that. Is that your is that your plug of the week there? Uh, yes. Clearly, I want everyone with a Saturn to go get Falcon Classic so that you can play not only Dragon Slayer but also Xanadu, which is sadly bereft of any Olivia Newton John songs, which would have been really nice, and the Saturn version of Ease One, which is actually pretty good, but. It is a Falcom Classics collection, so you got to expect an Ease game in there somewhere. Xanadu! I'm going to put that song in the end of the show now. Um, Please do! I, I happen to like that song. I do, too. I got it on my iPod, in fact. Um, Olivia Newton-John was a good singer. She was, absolutely. Not also, that also she was really hot in that movie. Can't, com- can't, can't argue with that, my friend. Then again, she's sharing the screen with Michael Beck, who is not exactly a looker. At least not to me. Um, I've gotten completely divergent yeah. from our intended course. Wait, uh, wait. Hey, Mr. Apps, I'm surprised you have no thoughts whatsoever on my riveting discussion of Dragon Slayer. I've never played Dragon Slayer, and I'd like to keep it that way. <laughs> Falcom's <laughs> early games haven't aged that well. Except Ease, which has been remade often enough that it isn't really the same experience anymore. Yes, exactly. If you go back to the original East, it's uh, 
not quite as fun as the most recent release. Well, uh. back back on track. Um, Umbra said uh, he likes our new intro, which, by the way, I love to hear comments on on our intros. I like to shake them, uh, change them up every uh, once in a year or so. So let me know what you think. We're no longer doing the Twilight Zone <laughs> intro, unfortunately. We put that to rest. Um, but he says, "Come on, guys. No one uh, finishes these three old games nowadays. Back then, we had nothing better to play. <laughs> for Dragon Warrior 2, it was fun the way you had to get your ally." First, the prince. You have to search for him in the cave only to find him back at the end uh, after you look for it. And then the princess, she was turned to a dog and you had to find a mirror of truth to change her back. And it's in the, for the final castle, there was a lot of boss to get rid of. And if you wanted to get out and heal yourself, you had to redo all those bosses, which was quite uh, challenging. Uh, lots of grinding. So, And Rose, uh, Rose Storm uh, had some comments about Old English, Mr. Mickey. That was a response to Strawberry Eggs, who mentioned... That we are not, in fact, discussing old English in Dragon Quest, but instead ye old butchered English. Probably because authentic old English, as you would experience if you tried to read the original version of uh, the can- the the, cha- the Canterbury Can- Tales, I believe. The Canterbury yes. Tales. Yes. Yeah, which is kind of its own awkward experience because back then, like knight was actually the literal pronunciation spelling. What we call knight was called knicht or something <laughs> like that, and like the worst swear words was sweave. That was a fun class back in college. Well, All English kind of crazy words it does have a lot of Germanic roots because of those Nordic conquerors who marched into the country. So we can thank them a lot for, gosh darn it, imbuing the early English language with the lack of silent letters that have of course become our bane in more recent years and then there's middle english after old english and somewhere between middle english and modern english lies something else which i'm not sure of the name of offhand and i'm sure someone will mention it because that's what the internet is for pointing out what i can't remember right now Just like someone's going to point out how remaking the thing again just seems like a really good idea, even though I don't see it. How many times has it been remade? Is this the third? This is the third version, and the first one was done by Howard Hawks, the second one was done by John Carpenter, and the third one is going to be done by a guy who has never directed a movie before and only directed a music video and a short seven years ago. That sounds like a recipe for success. Well, of course. You're putting Mary Elizabeth Winstead up against Kurt Russell. How can she come off but anything successful? Goodness, goodness, goodness. Not to diss Mary Elizabeth Winstead, but she's no Kurt Russell. Okay, now that we are totally (laughs) off the track. Well, Strawberry Eggs also said that she's pretty inexperienced with the Dragon Quest series. She's only recently beaten the DS remake of the fourth game. And not unreasonably, she's waiting to see if the Wii collection will come over here before she buys the Game Boy Color versions. <laughs> uh, yeah. Odds are not high on that, but it is a possibility. The early Dragon Quest games would not require a whole lot of effort from Square Enix to localize today. Hmm. Um, okay. Well, so- if the trend holds, wouldn't that be localized and published by Nintendo? It would, and as we have seen recently, Nintendo seems to have just given up on RPGs for North America. Uh, but they're bringing out Dragon Quest Monsters too, which I was actually shocked by. There's uh, that. Have some faith. <laughs> they might come over 
somehow, maybe. If Nintendo localizes the remake of the of the second half of Fire Emblem Three for us, then I'll have faith in the company again. That doesn't seem <laughs> right now. Uh, so yeah, I really thought that one was going to come over. So did I. I think I predicted it in Q and A, and I've and thus far, Nintendo wrong. has decided that your predictions must be made wrong every now and again, so to yeah. keep the Vegas odds down or something. Oh well. Um, so, so uh, our next show, RPG Backtrack number 52, will be The Land of Hyrule. We'll be talking about The Legend of Zelda, Zelda 2, Link to the Past, Link's Away. What, what the hell, Mike? Phil, are you honestly going to tell me that every Legend of Zelda game has such an intricate plot that we will be spending enormous amounts of time discussing it? Are you going to tell me that each Legend of Zelda requires so much discussion that putting yes! four show is Oh absolutely- my god, you could spend 30 you could you could first of all spend you know that's what makes the Zelda games RPGs despite their total absence in the first few iterations of any uh you know really uh, detailed storyline. Zelda 2 is on that list, you can't deny it's an RPG. Yeah, I don't cuz I played it. I I just, it, you 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 will you will have people reminiscing so long just regarding their memories with Zelda. And that's what makes it an RPG is the fact that you really felt like it's your character, it's your story. Uh there it isn't pre-written out for you like Final Fantasy. I, I'm telling you, man, a, I don't know if we can do all this in one show. Holy cow. I think we can. I I yeah well I got to go I got bedtime you know I'm I'm on a schedule we'll see uh, and the three CDI games I'm gonna tell everybody for the three CDI games just go and watch the Angry Video Game Nerd review on those guys because it's it's every bit worth it um, so anyways we'll talk about Zelda something next go around got boys and girls and you got a PC pit stop over there's no way we're gonna have time for that it's just yeah that that's gone to the side um so we'll be talking about Zelda lots of Zelda so send us your thoughts comments questions concerns about the Legend of Zelda and we'd be happy to read those on the air answer them and all that other fun stuff because nobody actually ever takes me up on that offer so we never really do it but if you did we would read it send those questions to JC Servant at rpgamer.com and uh, and get on the show in spirit anyways um want to thank Mr. Minky and Mr. Apps and Mr. Nathan. See, I, I won't slaughter your last name. And <laughs> and uh, and I'm um, uh, a special thanks out there also to uh, Mr. Dean Elden, uh because it was his review. I read through his review before we talked about this idea because it was two years ago and I didn't remember everything. So uh, thank you for your for your review there. Anywho. Um, before we leave, guys, I'd love to give you uh, each one a chance, of course, as always, to give in some final plug, talk about what you're doing on the site for the week, or maybe a game you're playing you want to plug, or whatever else. It's your time to plug. It's your time. Uh, your, it's your five seconds of glory. So, uh, Mr. Apps. Q&A. Read it and write in. For the love of God. <laughs> <laughs> write in. Write him questions. Lots and lots of questions. Yes, I have, like, none. What? No questions. Hey, I okay, well, a few. If I do another, and the column will be enormous. That's true. Hmm. I even gave you one while I had no internet, so I had to go use the library Wi-Fi. You should be grateful. <laughs> really? <laughs> wow. That's impressive. We, yeah, we can blame somebody canceling the phone service, which was a package deal with the internet, and managed to bring mm. both of them down for me being without internet. 
Mm. Play anything uh, fun fun lately, Mr. Apps? Um, I've been playing Borderlands and Persona 3 Portable. Both, uh, both are excellent choices from what I understand. And also lots of Call of Duty. Oh! Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Headshot. Pshow! Hey, I, I know the guys like it. Uh, my, my neighbors play it almost nonstop. Um, you know that'll be cute. I'm not proud of enjoying it. We ought to we ought to do a Q. I ought to send you in that for a Q and A. Why do they have such <laughs> long XP mechanics in those games nowadays? It used to be you could just go and shoot people. Now I have to earn experience in levels and crap. What the hell? <sighs> Anywho, I play first person shooters to get away from RPGs. Um, oh, who else do we have? Oh, Mr. Nathan, how about you? Any heavy plugs or anything you'd like to address with the audience? Nothing to plug. Just want to say. Seriously, if they're gonna put Terra in Dissidia, make her hair the right color. Fuck's <laughs> made no you. end. Uh, I don't think there's any ambiguity here. The the Amano artwork has her hair as a certain color, right? Terra, Terra, is that the green one or the blonde one? Terra's the green-haired one. Green hair. Oh yeah. She yeah, should yeah. be the green-haired one. Well, yeah. Wait, well, since, since Square was busily renaming everybody, isn't her? Japanese name Tina. Yeah, no. but we all like the English officer name better. <laughs> uh, well, it's like you're praising the translation of Ted Woolsey for a minute there. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I liked the Ted Woolsey translation. It's the best translation. Uh, to be fair, Nathan, she does have an alternate costume with the correct hair color. You just have to unlock yeah. it. You have to play for 85 well, hours to unlock it. Pay for it. <laughs> With prestige points or whatever they are. Oh, what the hell? No. Can't her costume be her morph form? Ooh, that would be cool. Yeah, her her, her other form. Yeah, that should well, be. Well, technically, her morph form is her EX mode. Oh, okay. Well, oh, that makes sense. So, uh, Mr. Minky, anything you would like to plug away here to our audience? Well, on the extremely unlikely possibility that someone out there has played Tengai Makyo 3 Namida. I'm curious about how I obtain water in the game, because some guy wants some water, and I'm not sure how to obtain it. And until I get the water for him, I can't really progress. Aside from that, uh, since I am currently unable to make progress unless I feel like just standing around and grinding for a while, um, I'm going to have to play something else in the near future, and we'll find out what when I decide. Because right now, I don't know what it is. What could it be? Who knows? Maybe someone will suggest a possibility. I don't know. Who would be so daring as to suggest it right now? Green Grimoire, go. You want a suggestion? I'm just saying. Green Grimoire, you got a PS2. I don't own it. You know? Grim are Grimoire, you going to send it to me? Five bucks or something. I, I'm playing my own right now. That's why I told you to play. We could play a game together for once. I don't think you could find that for five bucks. You know, it's it's an old game. How much can it be? Let's take a look. Um, and uh, <laughs> I I did already talk about. <laughs> well, well, Phil, let's let's keep the grim grimoire off the topic for a while. I have a feeling not too far in the future we might be discussing. Go, go and play it. You know you want to. Hey. um... What was uh, no? I forgot. What I was going to ask you. Oh, last last week I talked about Carolyn, right? Catherine, I believe. Catherine, Carolyn, Catherine's all the same thing. Um, but I did talk about talk about that game, right? Ad nauseum. Did I, Mike? Hello, Mister. Yes, you did. Okay, help me. Although out I there. thought Nathan might remember too, since he was here last week. 
Hey, as I said, don't rely on my shoddy memory. No. <laughs> well, I think I talked about it, but in one sense, go out and get it, because it's awesome. No, today, so this week's, I just want to make sure I did, because otherwise I'd make it this week's plug, but I think I did. So I'm going to talk about, my plug for this week will be, um, oh my gosh, what's it called now? I totally forgot. Oh yes, the the new Avengers cartoon. That was pretty cool. I, I don't have cable TV, so I just get this stuff when they finally release on Netflix. It's it, I think they're about to crank up on season two already. Uh, but um, you know they got all the you know they're they're doing all these Marvel movies because eventually they'll come out with the Avengers Marvel mo- movie that has them all uh, in it. But uh, I guess uh, Disney, who now owns the rights to uh, Marvel, uh, decide to make those extra bucks a little bit earlier uh, by uh, making a cartoon, and the characters uh, in the cartoon are based off of the the movie universes, not necessarily their comic book counterparts. Um, and it's 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 pretty interesting. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the old Marvel comics. Uh, in fact, I'm reading through 1980s Incredible Hulk right now, so I don't miss a chance to catch one of these movies or cartoons uh, eventually. Even if I don't get them right away at the theater, I do get around to them. Uh, and the Avengers, it's just a hair shy, in my opinion, of uh, the excellent uh, Justice League Unlimited or something along those lines. But it is a, a fun watch in and of itself, and I'm really enjoying it. So and Phil, if you have Netflix, you can watch it for free. Phil, if we're talking about the Avengers, then tell me, why didn't Hawkeye merit his own movie like everybody else in the Avengers movie next year? Because he's boring, he has no superpowers, he just shoots <laughs> bows and arrows. Um, he's a ripoff of the Green Arrow. I, I don't know. I just I, I always find it interesting how those characters are almost exactly like just one's purple, one's green. But um, yeah, the Green Arrow was DC, so Marvel had to come up with a, a ripoff somehow. A ripoff. Either one's ripping off the other. That's all I know. It's just did Hawkeye even have his own comic? Uh, I think he did. I think he had a short series, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, I remember reading a Hawkeye short series way back in the 80s. I don't know if he ever had his own, you know, comic book outside of a mini series. Um uh, guess we could google that too at some point. But yeah, you, yeah. He just he just reminds me so much of the Green Arrow and the other one too. So they almost fill the exact same role. I'm the Anywho, outside of him, the rest of the characters are no. <laughs> it, it, there's some good stories. There's a lot of action um, and whatnot. I love seeing them uh, interact with the Hulk too, because yeah, he's not usually that nice. So um, he smiles several times in this show. He would never smile in the comics, but I guess his cartoons and it's okay. Um, but I, I had a real fun time watching through almost all of them. I got a few more left, and I'll be done with season one until they get season two on Netflix. So they're really working hard. I guess because of all the bad press they got over that whole switch of the Netflix plan and whatever have you. But I've been noticing a lot more stuff popping up on the instant uh, the instant viewing list of things I can watch lately. Um, I don't know what those exact numbers are. All I know is that every day I log into Netflix and I go to watch the same series I've been watching for the last month. And holy cow, I've got like eight more choices to pick from now that it gives me recommendations I've never seen before. Popular shows and stuff. So anyways, enough advertisement for them. <laughs> but check it out. I love I love cartoons, um, comic book cartoons, and that one, or at least the ones that are done well. And that one's pretty good, pretty good. Okay, um, so I need to do the official disclaimer and stuff, don't I? Let me find it. It's here somewhere. I would hate to say the wrong thing because then our lawyers would sue us or something. RPG Backtrack is a production of RPG Gamer, your source for RPG news, impressions, reviews, articles, and home to the best gaming community on the net. Write your questions and comments on our boards or email me. The ever so popular JC Servant at rpgamer.com. 
and help shape our future shows. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter.com slash RPGamer. Become our biggest fans at Facebook.com slash RPGamer. As always, listen to our previous podcast, all 50-plus now of them, 50 of them, as well as our awesome sister shows, RPG Cast and RPG Sanctum, all at RPGamer.com. Boy, we got a lot of podcasts and content and stuff, and also raise questions for the Q&A. <laughs> Whew. And Mr. Miki, take us home. You've been listening to the, time, to the Times Square Soft tried to conquer the market outside Japan. Those stories are mixed, to say the least, but they seem to have made strong impressions. Going from being a listener to a participant, in at least one case, is not necessarily recommended.
<clears throat> they're pinky in the brain. They're pinky in the brain. One is a genius. The other's insane. Oh. Crap, what's the next line? If you've listened this long, you must like what we're doing. So please, do us a favor. Go to iTunes and leave us a great comment. Thanks a lot for listening to RPG Backtrack. We'll see you again in a couple of weeks.